Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey guys. Welcome to Ravel once again. Hello. Oh, Thank I'm you sorry. for your welcome. Were you speaking to us? Oh, yeah. Just like leave me <laughs> I, hanging, dude. What the? <laughs> okay. So I forgot. Okay. I was like, I, I forgot that we were being silent for recording. And I almost just like fill your ears with mouth dubstep for me. And I was going to like riff on that. And I forgot that we started recording. Oh, <laughs> So yeah. I was like holding in my laughter when you started. I'm so sorry. Great. <laughs> Hello. Well. Do you want to do you want to drop us a little beatbox now that you've teased that Ooh. you can do that? I don't, I don't know if I can. I just have a mic in front of me. Well, now we do definitely want to know do what it. it sounds like when you Peer try. Pressure. I don't think I can do it. I, I really think that it's I should leave that to the pros. Ooh, I think I got I think I got some skills. Okay. This is really getting Please. away from me, but my name is Emily. I'd like to say that I'm a pastor in a very cool way. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Um, all three of us are drummers and yeah. not beatboxers. Definitively. No. We've just, we've just proven yeah, that. I don't think any of us can beatbox, can um, we? We have solidified that. What, uh, what are y'all drinking that's putting you guys in such a good mood today? Ooh, me first. Oh, yes, please. It's a please, great yes. bottle of pure leaf sweet tea. Sweet tea is where it's at. I get it. Josh? I am drinking a, a coffee. I made myself an AeroPress. Um, it is a, it's from, uh, oh shoot, I forgot the region in Burundi, but it's in Burundi, um, which is already cool. And it's from uh, my local coffee shop called Boon Buna. They only do African coffee. And mm. usually it's Ethiopian. So I was like excited to see something a little different, but they barrel age roast or they barrel age this in bourbon barrels. And let me tell you what. Oh, both in the beans and like after the brew in the cup, it smells boozy. It like smells like I've poured bourbon in there, and it does not taste boozy at all. But it like it has this like kind of like light woody, like but very pleasant taste to it. It's very good. It's like kind of sweet, like a little bit of like hint of vanilla. It's nice. And then I'm also drinking a lemoncello Lacroix when I have that finished. I am drinking uh, from By All Means Brewing here in Billings, their uh, Mexican lager, a Ooh. good old pint of the Mexican lager, really hitting the spot, I got to tell you. What would you say it tastes closest to uh, compared to the well-known Mexican lagers out there? <sighs> what are- Corona? Are we talking Corona? Oh, well, better than that, Oh, I got to say. I'm not a Corona fan. I'm a fan of this, though. Honestly, I don't know- Mexican lagers. I usually don't drink them, but I had this one in my fridge 
because a friend brought it over for D&D the other day. And I'm into this one. Delish. Yeah, I like, I don't know. There's there's very few like name brand beers that I'm actually into. Except Montucky, of course. I like Montucky. But I don't know if that counts. Like, I don't know if you'd put that at the same level of like Budweiser or Corona or whatever. Anyway, what are we talking about today? It is my topic and uh, I am going to do something I've never done before on the podcast. Um, this idea hit me. What? Uh, what? Listen. How? Listen. This idea almost hit me the other day and I had to record my topic submission as a voice memo for the podcast. So like much in the same oh. way that we will usually play like a voice memo of somebody else submitting a topic, I submitted my own topic because I had to record it in the moment that it Okay. Okay. That it the idea struck me slash almost struck me and that will make sense after we listen to it. So fascinating. Tuck in. Hey, what's up? I am interrupting the feed. I'm doing my my own submitted topic. Um, this is Steven. While the adrenaline is still pumping and it feels my like my heart is in my throat, um, I was just driving to work and I uh, was running a little late because I had to stop and get gas. So I stopped and get gas. It's a very cold morning here in Montana. It had just it like it just snowed like three inches this morning. Um, so I had to undig my car and I was running a little late and then got gas and hopped on the interstate. And as soon as I was on the interstate, um, I ended up tucked behind this, uh, semi truck who was going kind of slow. And normally my attitude on interstate driving on ice and snow is I'm just going to tuck behind, uh, someone. I don't really care how fast they're going. I'm just not going to push it. I'm not going to try to pass nothing. But today, I got behind the semi, and the best I can describe it is I had a feeling um, that I should pass the truck, and I did. And as I passed the truck, um, I literally could not have been more than half a car length ahead of the truck's tractor or like the the headlights of the truck i couldn't even see them in the the right side view mirror yet um the road went oddly dark for a second and i had a weird moment of like oh something's happening but i kept going and then i look up in my mirror and the truck i just passed was literally sideways rolling down the interstate right behind me like and oh my and I kept going I kept driving because I didn't want to be rolled over by this rolling pin of a semi truck um but oh my gosh I my adrenaline is still running um I <laughs> maybe we should do an episode about um two things that happened here. Uh, the protection of God. Um, and also maybe something like fate. Um, 
because it felt, it was crazy to me that I was running late and had I not been running that late, I wouldn't have been in that situation. But also because I was in that situation, it like, again, it, I had a feeling and I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit or like some people have guardian angels, but I, I feel like my life was literally saved today because I, because I avoided that. Um, so with that, my friends, Josh and Emily, let us discuss. Whew. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Stephen. Whoa. Stephen. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my God. That's so wild. Dude. How long ago was this? Uh, this was back in December. It was before Christmas. Oh my God. Was it that week before Christmas where it was like the negative 20s or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. Yeah, it was like when that Arctic, like polar. Polar uh, vortex. Front, yeah, the vortex hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you feel it now? Mm hmm. Re-listening to that, like I was like I was getting myself back to that like holy shit, <laughs> that was insane feeling because like I it's so hard to describe like how surreal that is. You glance up in the rear view and you're like, oh that truck is sideways now, and I was like just next to him. It was such a wild mm, feeling, man. Yeah, and I, I like for a while now I've been kind of like thinking about that experience and what it means that some people have theology of like guardian angels or like the fact that just like there's language in the Bible and there's theologies out there that believe that God like protects his people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've been kind of chewing on that for a while because it felt like a real moment of like, wow, I, I could have just been like vaulted like into the median or like to the other side of the interstate into oncoming traffic, the way he spun and everything, like it could have been very bad. And I was just next to him, you know? Well, do you know if he like, like wrecked anyone behind him? Yeah. Okay. So here are a few details that have come to light. Uh, and also maybe a fun side discussion that I can drop on you. Uh, so somebody was trying to pass him when he spun and somebody was, like shoved into the median and they hit like the, the thick like wire and those metal bars of the fence. Oh no. Um, and like completely destroyed their car. Like, and there was no one in their passenger seat, but the way they like spun around and stuff, it like ground the passenger side of the car to particulate. It was ugly. No one died. I don't think anyone in the accident was like rushed to the hospital, but it was such a surreal mm. feeling of being like at the back of the line of like, I was the last person like the interstate behind me was completely dark on the rest of my drive. I should also say, by the way, like I was driving and I had my AirPods in. So like I called 911. I'm pretty sure I was the first person to call it in and just say like, Hey, there was just an accident. I don't know anything much. Like I'm still moving, but a semi basically like blocked the entire road. And I have to assume the the conditions of the road were such that like there were quite a few fender benders, if not anything a little more serious as people kind of like piled up and slowed down for it mm -hmm. uh, because he was truly like blocking both lanes completely. Like there would have been no way to like glide around mm -hmm. him until response happened. 
but from other reports, like no one was like even had to be rushed to the hospital. No one died. And the side discussion that we could have is that I, with every bit of earnest conviction that I have, I have a memory of this truck actually rolling, but coworkers who were far behind the scene of the accident coming down the same interstate, like they passed the wreck. Once it got cleared, they got it like to one lane so that people could keep going very slowly around uh, the wreckers and the police and all that. The truck did not roll. Oh, interesting. But I can't tell you like how earnestly I honestly still believe that I saw it rolling, which is a fun like Whoa. that's a tangential conversation that we could have about like the way that eyewitness uh, arguments are made about the Bible when like mm. I was an eyewitness and thought I saw something that factually did not happen. Oh, that is interesting. That is interesting. But I let we'll come back to that. I think that would be fun. A fun closer if you guys want. But what is your opinion on the theology of God's protection and or some strings of fate that worked out the situation in uh, my best interest? Mm. I want to hear from Emily. What do you think about this? I'm just going to put you on the spot. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is not Pastor Emily speaking, but someone who is speaking to kind of push buttons and to like oh, provocateur yes um if we are to have a framework of god protecting god's people then what do we say to those who were not protected mm-hmm. like those who were in the accident like do we snowball down the road of well they're not in god's favor therefore like are they being punished like that's one direction that we could take or is there a sense of god protected everyone and the situation just happened to unfold the way it did because there were things outside of human understanding that we couldn't fully comprehend and yet the fact that no one was harmed no one was hospitalized no one had died i'm sure it was traumatic uh, but people were not injured extensively. Would we say then that God protected all people? Therefore, everyone is God's people. Like that's where my brain is stirring. Oh, I love that last sentence. God was protecting everyone. Therefore, everyone's God people. That's a fun. Let's put a pin in that universalist take, shall we? <laughs> Boop. Because um, <laughs> that's. That's my vibe, but uh, Josh. I think that I have a very similar view to um, how I view uh, people who feel healed these days. I think we mentioned this on our episode we did on miracles and probably a recent bonus episode on the finger of God. I don't think it's necessarily wrong to attribute your positive outcome to God or fate or whatever. In the sense of like, I think you can be thankful that a thing happened and and spiritualize it um, without implying that God did it for you and therefore God did not do it for somebody else. Mm. I think that applies to healing. Uh, I think that applies to like just specific situations like this. This is a great example of like, Stephen, you at the very least escaped harm at all. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't have your car destroyed obliterated um you certainly are alive 
And I mean, I don't want to like tell you how to feel about the whole thing. If you believe that you were like genuinely supernaturally protected, um, that's, that's for you to decide. <laughs> like, I don't have any stake in the game. <laughs> um, but I think that's where I stand personally is like, I don't think I believe in supernatural protection anymore. We used to pray for it all the time, especially on road trips. It's one of those things that like you cannot prove or disprove because it's supernatural. <laughs> and, but, but I like don't think it's wrong to, even if you believe that, that I do, um, I don't think it's wrong to like spiritualize an angle to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like your point about like, uh, there's certainly room for gratefulness of like, it feels like I was spared or something or protected. Or honestly, I think that some Christians would think that I am discounting what God is capable of doing. But even just the coincidence of it feels so wild to me because it was the situation where like I almost never get gas before work, but it was so cold and I had reached a point uh, like at the level of my tank that I'm like, I should fill up to make sure like my car is going to be okay through handling like another negative 40 degree night, you know? And I was like, uh, I'm not going to have time after work. So I'm going to fill up. And that took me a little extra time. And just like the way it feels like everything lined up such that mm. I end up behind this truck. And really the part that still freaks me out is my standard operating procedure is just tuck in on a snowy interstate and don't rattle the cage you know like changing lanes is dangerous enough passing anyone Mm. you know especially when you're kicking up that much like snow behind you like visibility Mm. is ruined for everyone else and if you can minimize that by kind of like tucking into the stream that's already being created by someone else that makes it visibility safer for everyone like that's my standard operating procedure and i'm pretty committed to that mostly because i'm the kind of person in traffic that i don't really like you know, I'm not sitting at a red light like, God damn it. You know, like, it's just like, <laughs> like, where am I going? Like, am I really in a rush? Yeah. Like, I could technically be late for something, but like, I just, I don't feel like spending negative energy is worth my time or effort in those moments. So when it comes to like, that's the way I behave. And I tuck in behind this truck immediately after the on-ramp and within the first couple seconds of being on the road behind him. It truly was like a gut feeling of like, mm. this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. You should, uh, you should pass this one. That's the weirdest part to me because I, I happen mm. to agree with you, Josh, that I don't think I was necessarily like protected with an extra measure of God's favor compared to the guy whose car got shredded in the median against the fence. Yeah. Because in fact, if that was the case, then I would actually put the harm done to that person and the people behind me. I would, I would, my worldview is such right now that I would think that God is actually morally culpable for that harm. Totally. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, if he truly has that much control over things and chooses to spare me over another, like I will spare Stephen. His work on Ravel is not yet yes, complete. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that would spiral me into a lot of feelings of like, oh yeah, absolutely. What, what am I worth? And honestly, uh, for the degree of egotism and or narcissism that comes from like podcasting for a few years, like I, I like the sound of my own voice. Let's be honest. It would be really easy to be like, oh, I am 
spared for a purpose, you know, like what, mm. <laughs> like I think that could be part of it. Had I not been led to a place of especially like a process theology view of metaphysics where I actually don't think God has as much supernatural control that many Christians give him credit for. But having the no, feeling <laughs> that I should pass this truck and not the one that I tucked in behind yesterday or even the day after, like the the strong gut feeling of like something is unsafe, you should mitigate the risk. And I did, and it happened to become the best possible outcome for me. Very weird to sit with. Um, so I would like to point out that there is still the best possible outcome whenever you pass all those other trucks as well. It's just that mm. there happens to be a negative outcome that you avoided on top of that. Right? Oh, oh, okay. So, like my best possible universe is always manifesting when I pass a truck because they go five miles an hour slower than I do. Best possible outcome is always survival. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. But in that case, like, should we all just stop in car? Like, have you ever caught yourself driving and you're like, you have a moment of like, if I wasn't wrapped in metal right now, like this would be a terrifying speed to be traveling at. Like, this is too fat. This is dangerous. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, cars are a scourge on humanity. They're terrifying, awful. dude. <laughs> terrifying. Would you do you feel like you're at a point in your life where you would use the phrase God thing? It's a God thing. Oh, to describe a situation. No, you know, honestly, I'm OK. Just leaning on coincidence right now. Like <laughs> it, it happened because I feel like so many Christians like love to call coincidence God things. As a way to like not to need to explain anything and just straight up attribute it to God. Like, well, God must have done it. Like coincidence, coincidence can't just happen mm -hmm. randomly. I think that discounts the fact that perhaps coincidence, I like, I don't know. I think it's a fine balance. I think coincidence is a human psychological way of grappling with issues like this one, you know? And like, just because I happened to witness something where I was like, oh, it's a, it's all a coincidence. I don't know. I just like, I feel like if I were face to face with God right now and I said like, thank you for doing that. I think God would look at me and be like, don't give me credit for that. Like I didn't do anything. Yeah, totally. I was also an observer. Well, I think it also, I think situations like that, it feels good to be certain. Like, especially in like a, mm. a near, like arguably near death experience like yours. Mm. Um, we need to like, have, certainty. I think coincidence. Yeah. Coincidence can seem too chaotic and, uh, attributing it to a divine entity outside of yourself who is in control, ultimately, that feels a lot safer. Like, that's a lot more like, oh, even if like other people got hurt and, but like, didn't die, like, God's still in control there. Like, mm -hmm. God prevented that somehow. Or I think, I'm not trying to say this is a bad thing, but I think people do that often in a way to mitigate their own fear about a situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I could totally see like going through a situation like yours and like still being scared on the other side. Like, I feel like we're all rattled up after like even a fender bender and we're like, I kind of don't want to drive tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Driving home was a challenge that day. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously. There's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. 
If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. So, Stephen, you brought up the idea of fate. Do you believe in fate? That feels trickier to me because, you know, I was raised Calvinist, so predestination. Wait, you were? What? <laughs> Revelation. Yeah, if you're, if you're new, I grew up in a <laughs> reformed tradition uh, that was like American Baptist. But, um, yeah, so I, I was raised Calvinist. Like, I felt like I was like extremely convinced of predestination for a time which i think is what we're talking about when we say fate of like the future is written and we're just living into it like characters of a novel is that how that strikes you yes yeah i yeah but i don't know if i i don't know if i believe in fate Mm -hmm. like i don't know what to think of if it's not fate then what is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's ironic to me that a number of Christian traditions rest on predestination as a psychological balm for like, oh, it's, it, it's within God's plan and I can just rest within that. When so much of the other theologies within those traditions are all about like individualistic control but we're all cool with the entire world history being predestined. Like, do you see the disconnect there? Yeah. Whereas like in kind of like a, uh, a process or open and relational position that I hold now, like I, the future being open actually brings me a lot more comfort, but it also, I feel like what that does is it wins me back the feeling of responsibility and duty to my neighbor and to God of like, mm. oh, my actions matter and I'm actually changing the future with what I do. So let me take that seriously. Whereas within predestination, I remember a mindset of being like, there's literally nothing I could have done to avoid right. looking at porn that one time. Like even that was predestined in some having no choice. mystery of God, as they would say it. Like, well, God's ways are not our ways. We just can't understand it. You know, it's like, well, so that brings up a good point, though, because you had you had every right to not listen to your gut and to stay behind and not pass that truck. Mm-hmm. Like you had a choice, even if you had a feeling like that, I think is in and of itself. But the fact that, cause you had even said on any other given day, you would have chose to stay behind that truck. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a, you had a choice. So even if we, even if fate is something we believe in or, destiny however you want to label it 
that doesn't negate the power of choice that we have. Mm. And I think that is what we sometimes forget when we say we believe in fate or destiny because we put it all on God and therefore it's out of our hands. And so then I think it's easy for Christians to then say, well, then the responsibility is not mine. The choice is not mine. And I don't think that's true. Hmm. Yeah. Do you find it? I we're this is episode 124 of Ravel. And I feel like I've come quite a ways since episode one toward my my view of universalist salvation. We put a pin in it. Remember, I was going to I told you we'd come back to it. Yes, you did. Do you do you think it's incongruous for me to rest in a hope and belief and a faith in universal reconciliation and salvation? Like, does it feel too Calvinist predestination light because in the end it would be easy to argue that like the universalist vision also strips us of choice and duty and responsibility? Hmm. What do you think, Josh? That's tricky. Can you, can tricky. you wear that again? Can you say what you were saying again? Yeah. So I was raised predestinarian yep. with a mind for eternal conscious torment of like, God has already selected the elect. These number of people will go to heaven. These people are already destined to hell. There's nothing I can do to do about it. And yet we're going to force a responsibility on evangelism to be like, everyone has to hear it just to usher in the, uh, the end times. Even if not everyone you like, it's a foregone conclusion that many of the people you witness to will not be saved because they're not elect. Honestly, a really weird backflip that they try to do around that one. But Moving to an idea of an open future, and especially one that might not even be known to God, I've come back to a place of that could, I think, people could point at me and be like, well, you still kind of believe in a predestination of sorts because now you're just saying everything's going to be good in the end, like universal redemption. Whereas other people have argued, um, especially in their view of hell, like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't give us enough agency to actually say that we have choice anyway. So it's like predestination, whichever way you slice it, I'm just like choosing to be the optimist in the room. Do you think that's the case or do you think it's possible to hold those things in tension? I think that the idea of fate is so much like, I, I think there's very little that makes it dissimilar from Christian predestination. I don't know about like other forms of predestination, but I think that just like in the way that people socially treat predestination and fate, I think that they're talked about in very, very similar ways versus like, I think your form of quote unquote predestination differs a lot because it's like, it's like end game theology versus like mm. that actually that's what i'm going to call eschatology from now on is end game, end end game. game. Um, so my my end game theology is choosing to think that something is so powerful about christ and the creator that it could be that way in the end but how we get there like we could go through the darkest period of any history ever to get there versus like i think an intelligent calvinist will probably like agree with you more than not, but they will be erring on the side of there is elect and non-elect versus I think that like the more common understanding is like predestination having implications for everyday life or fate being an everyday life kind of situation. Versus uh, I like see. Yeah. 
the long-term aspect. Trajectory um, versus like day-to-day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The long arc of the universe, as it were. Yeah. Um. So I want to say you can hold those things in tension, but like, I guess... If you like believed in, let's say if you believed in more predestination than just the end game and you were believing in a predestination of like everyday life and God dictating every little aspect of that, um, Mm. then I think you would interpret your situation as, well, God didn't want me to like die and God, God is doing that Mm -hmm. to show me something or whatever. Yeah. Um, versus if you're, you know, a part of the open future category, open theism or process theology. I think there's there's a lot more room for openness, I guess, like maybe being open to the idea that God could have saved you from that, but also you don't know, like you can't prove or disprove that, Mm -hmm. but you're like not quite as focused on the how so much as the, like the overarching trajectory of Christianity, Mm. I guess. That's kind of what I would imagine. How do you think all of that fits with... The idea that God has plans. Plans change, man. Have you tried being an adult? Plans just freaking change all the freaking time. (laughs) Oh, so true. So it's like, I feel like it's not that much of a mic drop to be like, yeah, God has plans and nothing can stop it. But then like in the antithesis spirit of that, so many Christians are focused on Satan is trying to ruin God's plans. Well, like, if God has a plan, then like, what are you worried about? Like, mm-hmm. why? Why does right, that? Because that should have already been in the plan. That should have already been in the plan. <laughs> like, if yeah. A happens, then go to B. Well, shit, that didn't happen. Okay, well then go to C. Go to D. Go to E. F. G. Like, right. That we shouldn't have Is anything. God, like, to fear. not all powerful anymore. All of a sudden, or like, all knowing. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. True that. Side note: I don't believe that God is all powerful or all knowing, but that's a we'll leave that alone for now. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I believe in God anyway. Theology is all hypothetical <laughs> to begin with. Very good. Um, Very good. I guess there would be, <laughs> I guess there would be a little bit of difference in the whole like God's plan thing between like, I, I think it's very relevant that you brought this up. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of didn't even think about that. Um, in regards to like Calvinism versus like free will kind of situation. Cause yeah. like I've heard people talk about God's plan. Like I grew up very like free will oriented. I heard people, which is funny because we were also American Baptists. And I don't think I realized until this episode that your church was American Baptist. Yeah, I've tried. I've been trying to be more specific about it because when I say like they were closeted Baptists, I really do mean like more American than like Southern, you know, which it just goes to show you like how much uh, diversity there is within the Baptist churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. Very true. Mm-hmm. We're not like the Methodists. We don't copy paste very much. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Listen, when so it, when, I, I, when the plan works, the Methodists can roll with it. We'll let them have it. <laughs> if it works, it works. I w- Emily, I was just touring a museum today, and uh-huh. uh, the first church in Seattle was Methodist back in like the what the mid eighteen hundreds. Dang, Skippy, it was. There's like a dozen houses here and a Methodist church. You can believe it, thanks to circuit riders. Woo woo, yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, I was going to say I was like raised more in like the free will style. And I heard people talk about God's plan as like what you were just saying, Emily, like, well, if not a, then B and if not B, then C like, like God will always Mm -hmm. like have some way to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in this world. And also if like, if the original strategy that he was going to accomplish that through didn't work, 
God works it out. God works all things together yep. for good. You know, I, Amen. Hmm. Oh, okay. That, but that's quite a verse to drop. Oh, that was like the proof text all the time for that for me. All the time. Growing up, yeah. Works all things for good. Where is that? Where is that found? Is that that's a Paul uh, thing? Right? Uh, Romans something something. Cool. It's all in Romans. Everyone loves Romans. Versus, like, I think that the the God's plan situation with someone who is believing in predestination. I think a lot of times people tend to chalk it up to like mystery. Like it, cause if you believe that mm. like something that happened was predestined, then you kind of have to like, you kind of have to like shrug your shoulders at some point and be like, well, we can't know why God wanted that to happen, but right. God did. And we just have to trust in it. What if we reframed? Cause I always think of the verse. Uh, cause this was the one that was always like, right above the live laugh love signs of the people we would go to dinner with. But um, the, for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, very famous, famously one of the verses that is like ripped out of context more than I've ever seen before though. A new contender that we're going to do an episode on later is the one where Jesus is like, you should sell your clothes to buy a sword or whatever. Like, I feel like there's some context being missed by like the pro gun crowd that like to tweet that thing. Oh my God. Tell me about it. I just that, got into yeah, it over dude, this last you weekend. Got into oh it God. on Twitter. <laughs> into it. Uh, anyway, the, the plans, the plans to prosper you one. I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting because like, I think not too many people were talking about this in the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't see too many people talking about this idea, like taking things out of context in us lay people land until maybe like, 10-ish years ago. I think that was maybe talked more like academically, maybe like a couple people were preaching it in a sermon like here and there, but it wasn't like, I don't think as many people were like aware of that idea like explicitly. And then like all of a sudden it seems like in the last five, 10 years, like everyone's been pointing to that idea and using Jeremiah 29, 11 as an example. And like, I think that was one of those that I definitely grasped onto because it's a, it's a great example of like, no, the, like Jeremiah is not talking to us. He's talking to the Israelites and yeah. it does not mean health and wealth gospel. And like, absolutely people have used it to mean that. However, but we could acknowledge, however, uh-huh. on the other side is to Emily's point, uh, because she absolutely, absolutely schooled my ass on the ice of Jesus episode. Um, there is a way that you could in a completely valid, like, uh, position and attitude. You could take that verse and treat it devotionally. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And honestly, there's nothing like we should acknowledge that there's nothing actually wrong with that. Which, so yeah, I know it's a fun joke to be like, it's always quoted out of context or whatever. But if we're going to treat that devotionally um, and be honest about the eisegesis that we're doing to it when we do that, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. What I wanted to pitch to you is that what if. The idea of God's plans were reframed as God's desires. So like, mm. for I know the desires I have for you, says the Lord, desires to give you a future and a hope. Mm, I have thoughts. Please cut loose. I think using language like that, one does not take away the meaning of the word plan. Okay. Let's just, uh, the word plan is intentional. But I think reframing it in that way can be helpful because it points us in a direction to say we are called to be participants 
in this life mm. and in God's quote unquote plan, not to just sit back and observe and also not to be just these mindless puppets of this grand puppet master that is God. I think this verse and the verses before and after, if you read it, um, it is it is inviting people to participate in this life, to to fully engage with creation, to fully participate in the lives of others and to ensure that people are thriving and that you are living your life in a loving and intentional, holistic way. And so this scripture is not to be read as this grand mystery of, oh, well, it's out of my hands. Like God has a plan. I just got to roll with it. It's we are invited to participate, whether or not we fully understand, we may question it. Absolutely. But to simply engage, because so often it's easy to hear, well, that's God's plan and then think nothing past it. You hear this so often, I think, when people are sick, you know, oh, I have cancer. That's God's plan. No, like <laughs> God, that, that can be so harmful because if we are to believe in a loving God, in a God who wants the best for us, I don't see how cancer accomplishes that. And I don't think God just sprinkles that in humanity to say, well, we're going to test the waters with y'all and see how faithful you really are and go with the flow. And then we'll see how this all unfolds because that's that's taking us out of the equation of participating in life. Like cancer happens because cancer happens like illnesses are a reality of this world. We see it in animals. We see it in livestock, right? This isn't just a human experience. However, we as humans have this ability to participate in a way that's more advanced than animals and livestock. And yet we want to treat God's plan as if we're just kicking back. Let God do all the work. Let it all unfold the way it's supposed to. And we'll just see where we go. Whoa. And we take ourselves out of it. And so, yeah, we should read scripture like, here are the desires that I have. Like, I want you to prosper, but you have to prosper. Like, you have to do the work. You need to participate in achieving your goals, in loving your neighbor, in showing oh. kindness, in caring for creation. Like, you are responsible for this. <laughs> the responsibility and the participation, I want to say, is a pretty big deal for the author of James. Of like, yeah, you got to get your feet wet. You got to like roll up your sleeves and get after you, it. And like, you got to get after my, it. The way I was raised, my gut reaction just now would have been to immediately be like, oh, but careful, Pastor Emily. It's not a workspace salvation, which also might be a future episode because part of me is kind of like questioning that whole narrative too. But uh, sorry, I'm I'm teasing a lot because I've been filling my notes lately. The desires of God are so interesting to me. I think we've done an episode on that before. I have to assume we have. It's been a while. I don't but know if we have, but I really like it too. The The participation angle has been such a cool takeaway for me of like the book we're doing in the, the Ravel Book Club right now. We're reading Braiding Sweetgrass and that that being like an indigenous way of looking at our participation with nature our 
understanding of the things that are going on around us and like understanding that we're part of something and not removed. Emily, I think that's so huge because you say like, yeah, cancer happens not only to humans, but to dogs, right? Like my first dog died of skin cancer, Mm -hmm. but what my dog Robbie did not have the power to do that we know of because we're not aware of like complex language like we have. My dog Robbie was not able to like metacognitively approach that experience and ask like, is there a meaning or a purpose or a plan or some fates behind this? Like the dog was suffering and we had to make a choice to end his suffering for him. Whereas like humans live inside of cancer looking from the inside out and say, and like have so many extra questions to put on top of that. And when there is a sense of like, I'm just going to sit back spiritually, mentally, emotionally check out because it's all predestined. I feel like we're giving up something that is our image of godness when we say like, I'm just going to be like the rest of the animals who can't like participate in this in like a spiritual metacognitive way. And I'm just going to like let go and let God, as they say. Like we're not taking ownership of what blessings we've actually been given with our complex minds and our language and our sense of a soul. I mean, we did a whole episode about that too, about blessing and privilege and luck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked your uh, turnaround on the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven thing too. I'm glad that we were like on the same brainwave there because I was, <laughs> I was like about to say the same thing. <laughs> I'm so sorry I interrupted you. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Like, I think in the midst of like raveling out what you think about fate and predestination and supernaturalism and God's interaction with the physical world and everything, like, I think it can go so far to just like go back to life, like reading interpretations of what you were raised in that are life giving. Like, I I love that Emily always defaults to that because, like, you could absolutely pair something like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven with Jesus talking about giving life and giving life abundantly. And you can walk away from that and think, oh yeah, so if I'm like doing something that's life giving, I'm on the right path and not like fall into like the whole like health and wealth thing and like sell like <laughs> like buying into televangelist seed money for sp- supernatural protection and like all that stuff. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I love I love your angle with that. Mm. Well, once again, I'm going to tease a future episode because we did not get to the fun part of like, I was an eyewitness to something that I remember very differently from the reality yeah. of the oh, event. Yeah. Uh, we did not come back there, but I just get to add to my notes and we'll do it later. Um, I want to thank you guys. That was a great episode. I always love our conversations. Like we're, we're getting back into it after the uh, winter, like Christmas break now. It feels so good to be back. Like Josh and I were talking about just before uh, we started recording today, it was like, this is kind of like one of the things that happens extremely regular for me. Like mm-hmm. in the way that Emily knows that she will be preaching every Sunday. Like I very much look forward to like the rhythm established by like recording on a Saturday with you guys. Aww. It's very good. And uh, if you are listening you can submit a topic just like I submitted a topic. I got a little meta with that too, but if you want to submit a voice memo for us to tackle as a topic kicked off by you and your thoughts, 
you can do what I did. You could email it to the ravelpod at gmail.com. Use the voice memo app on your phone. Choose a quiet place to record. Make it two or three minutes long. Share some thoughts. Get us kicked off. Or you can use that same telephone device and call our number, 601-55-RAVEL, and give us a topic that way. Oh, also, if you were listening and Josh and I just kind of like dropped the distinction between like American Baptist versus Southern Baptist versus other Baptists, you can hear more of his thoughts about that uh, because my friend Josh just appeared on the Pastor's Kid podcast. Oh, yeah, I did. Which you should definitely <laughs> go download and give a listen. Josh was a wonderful interview. There's plenty of hot takes in the episode that I find very delightful. Uh, the hottest take in there that I could not abide was that the experience of drumming is better barefoot, which is an absolutely insane thing to think. Emily, <laughs> what do you think? Tiebreaker, tiebreaker right now, Emily. Barefoot shoes. Uh-huh. You're the only one who's drumming in church right now. I know. Um, well, when I'm in church, I drum wearing shoes, but I would say I think I prefer to be barefoot. Unbelievable. Uh, I, yes. Un. Yes. Believable. She, <laughs> she pulls the Jesus card. So that counts as two votes. I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because she's ordained. Right. She's ordained. The vote, yeah. ordained, the vote yeah. of um, Christ yeah, himself. Also, if you if you are a pastor's kid, Piper Ramsey Sumner is looking for more interviewees as well. Um, she is looking to do some fun stuff with current pastor's kids, like who are literal children right now. Um, so get in touch. Uh, check out Pastor's Kid Pod. They have an Instagram. They have a Twitter. They have a Facebook still because, you know. Because she's brave. Facebook is wow. still a thing. Love it. So check it out. Piper was also a guest on No Normal People back in the day. You could check that out. We talked oh, a lot about process theology, and it was truly life-giving to me. It was wonderful. Very cool. Thank you two again. Obviously, always a delight. Uh, Emily, could you launch us into our open future at the end of this episode together? I could sure try. No, I can't. But I will say, I will say, (laughs) all these conversations are so important because whether or not, you know, if we believe that they were meant to be or if they just happen by coincidence, we all have a choice as to whether or not we participate in the conversations and we want you all to participate in these conversations theology is meant for all people so we invite you to join us pull up a chair grab a drink and ravel out faith with us because the table's open come as you are 